Hey guys, what's up? Trey back here at Trail Wolf, and welcome back to another episode of the True Blue Show. We are here on the mic today, here to kick off a new season in the Premier League. It is the first post pod of this season, and thank God that we got to do a post pod where we get to celebrate a win. Um, and I'm here joined by three very special guests, Dylan, Reinhardt, and The Score. So I'm very excited to talk with them about all things Chelsea versus Everton today. Now we're going to be talking a couple of things about the transfer window also, because as you remember, transfer window is still open for a few more weeks. We talking about the performance of the squad and how we think we might want to see our Chelsea lineup versus Spurs. So let's hear from our guest today. Dylan, how are you, my friend? Welcome to the, um, welcome to the True Blue Show. Thank you for making your debut here. Yeah, feels good. Hopefully I get a, uh, picture or something commemorating my debut uh but yeah thanks appreciate it good to hear from you and definitely i can give you a little uh, autograph um obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> reinhardt how you doing long-standing member hey yeah uh, i'm doing good bro good to be back it's been a while definitely keen to talk some chels as always so yeah let's get cracking all right straight to it and it's here back from the score making his second appearance on the pod again how you doing score yeah, hi guys. Hi everyone. Um, I'm doing okay. I'm happy that we uh, we won this today. So yeah, good. As we all are, as we all are. So let's start out this episode with a little blues in the news. Obviously, like I said, the transfer window is still going on and there's been a few things that have um, happened since our last recording. Uh, the most significant one seems to be that Timo Werner seems to have agreed a move back to his former club RB Leipzig on a permanent deal. Now it hasn't finalized yet, but Fabrizio basically has given his blessing to it. And it looks like um, it looks like it might be going through. And it's sad because Timo is probably one of the most likable people we have on the team. And he's given us a lot of good memories. He's also given us a lot of frustrating memories. But at the same time, in his t- tenure here, he's had 89 games for Chelsea, 23 goals, 21 assists, um, and that doesn't even include like all the penalties that he won that probably got converted, which I think was a lot in, I think it was his first season with us that Jorginho ended up being like top goal scorer in the Premier League with like seven. I'm pretty sure he contributed a lot of those penalties. Um, and he also leaves with a UCL title, a Super Cup and a Club World Cup. Now, I know Timo Werner is probably one of the most controversial players we've had in a while because his personality doesn't always match up with his performance on the pitch. And He's kind of one of those that has contributed a lot to the team other than like probably as many like uh, goals and assists as people would like. Now, granted, in 89 games, he's got 44 goals and assists. That's not an awful return. There's been a lot of people with a lot of worse returns on his record. And I think I don't know if I would say his time here at Chelsea was underrated, but I'll say this, in my opinion, Timo Werner's time in here was not a failure. It was not a flop. I think Timo did a lot to contribute to the team, and I think we do owe some um, of the success of the Champions League uh, um, and uh, just making top four for the past few years to him. And I'll just say thank you to him. I know a lot of people say he was brought in here to be a big goal scorer. He was brought in to be like a gunman. Um, and maybe it hasn't been that, but considering how we've seen a lot of transfers go in the past, could have been a lot, lot worse. So you all want to say any farewells to Timo, Dylan? Yeah, I mean, he um, he's a player that was brought in under Frank Lampard, so not our manager's choice. 
Um, but you could definitely can't deny some big moments that he's had for us. I mean, if you look at it, he created the run that allowed Kai Havertz to have all that space in the Champions League final. He scored a big goal against Real Madrid that almost that did complete the comeback against them before it was lost. And I think that when you look at his story, he did actually kind of give us a lot of production. However, I think in the public eye, it's his kind of big misses on sitters and things that really kind of mask his overall um, his overall kind of impact on the team. And I think once that kind of started to happen, um, I think his confidence just went and he kind of really fell off. Um, you know, a striker's job is all about staying confident and knowing that you're going to hit the back of the net. And when you miss a, quite a few really easy ones, it, it can really affect your confidence. Um, you know, we're getting a pretty decent fee, it looks like, back for him, 30 to $35 million and then some add-ons. So um, all in all, I, I'm not, it's nothing that's too bad um, financially-wise, but it definitely does leave a hole. Um, that we're going to have to fill here before the transfer window is over. Yeah, well said. Reinhard, any final words? Yeah, I always liked Timo, you know. Um, he's obviously a great guy, very good in the dressing room, never sulked, which I very much admire, especially after the whole Lukaku situation. Um, he just never really kicked it off. And, you know, the the English media can be pretty brutal. So if you don't really kick it off your first season, it's very hard for you to build that confidence that you need sometimes. Some players just don't need the confidence. They they ha- can find it in themselves. But others, you know, they need the love and the support. And I guess it can be pretty tough to get at times when the media is, you know, scrutinizing every game you play and everything. But, you know, I think he had a very underrated season. Uh, his goal record isn't too bad. Obviously, he had a few misses. It could have been a lot better. But, you know, he made a lot of runs that created goals. He assisted quite a few times in his first season. And he played a very, very pivotal role for us in our Champions League run. And uh, a lot of the big games, you know, Tuchel and Lamps obviously trusted him. And he played fairly well in a lot of them. But there were obviously those misses that, you know, make the headlines. And I wish him all the best. I think he's going to do very well in the Bundesliga again, because that's just the type of league that that suits him more than the Premier League. He doesn't like it when he has to run um, into a defense. He likes to run behind and stuff like that. So I just think the Bundesliga is more suited for him, and I wish him all the best. Score anything from you? Yeah, I always liked um, Timo Werner. Um, a really good professional, worked hard, gave everything, didn't complain. Um didn't sulk when it all went wrong. Head never went down. Um, he kept trying. He kept working. He kept running. Kept getting in those good positions. His movement was really good. Um, like those stats, he just like you just read out. He's got a goal contribution every two games, like goal or an assist every two games. So that's not <clears throat> quite as bad as as people would would have you think. Um, he certainly wasn't a flop for me. Um, especially because of the role he played in the, the Champions League run. Um, he scored in the semi-final against Real Madrid when we went through um, to the final last year. Um, and again, like people say, that that uh, that run for Kai in the final um, allowed him to score that goal. Um, he actually played well in the final, I think. Um, 
second season wasn't so great. It was difficult. He didn't get didn't play as much. Um, obviously, we had Lukaku, and he was kind of the man, uh, or meant to be anyway, uh, at that point. But yeah, again, always professional, and um, he deserves to be successful. I think, and I think he will be back in the Bundesliga, um, back in familiar territory at, at Red Bull Leipzig. Um, yeah, and. You know, he's a world champion, he's a Champions League winner, um, and he will always be that, and I wish him well. All right, well said. And then I, de- I definitely think a lot of people have uh, always been tough on Timo, but I think hopefully a lot of people were just because they always hoped for so much from him because they um, they liked him so much. So they really always hoped that maybe he would defy everyone's expectations. But um, other than Timo, there's a few more people that we look like we might be seeing go on loan. Um, we see Sard and Monaco is still in the works, I believe. Um, Michibachwai might be going to Wolves on loan. Um, and Alonso looks like he is going to Barcelona. It looks he wasn't in the squad for Everton, so it looks like that move is gonna happen, but it has not been finalized yet. Other than that, there were some talks about Empadu maybe going back to Italy, but those have been fairly like quiet, nothing really. Is having more with that yet. Um, so other than that, I don't think there's any more move, um, moves or uh, oh, sorry, yeah, right. You had mentioned I forgot this. Uh, Callum was not in the squad, and it looks like he could have a potential loan move to Southampton. Um, he did have a couple other people uh come in, but it looks like we might actually be seeing Callum go out this season finally, rather it be for a loan or permanent. Was that was what you're about to say? Yeah, yeah, just that Callum might go and learn to Anton. So I'm, yeah. I'm all for it, personally. I think he needs the minutes. We also haven't heard um, if Ziyech's move has completely fallen through to AC Milan or if there's anything still going. He was in the squad, I believe, um, for Everton, wasn't he? Um, I believe that he... Uh, yeah, he was on the bench. He was on the bench. So it remains to be seen if he's going to be going out. Um, so we're seeing a lot of outgoings right now in terms of our attack. So we could see Callum go out. Could see uh, we are probably seeing Werner go out. We could see Ziyech goes out. So that really only leaves Pulisic and um, Sterling as real wingers, and then obviously um, Broya and Kai still there up top. And I really don't regard Mount as part of a front three or just a forward necessarily as like a winger or anything. I still think of as a midfielder, but we certainly are trimming down our wingers, and I don't necessarily see anybody else coming in, unless there's some sneaky move, like the how Carney Chukweki came in, and, and nobody saw it coming, unless they have something like that cooking. It'd be really interesting to see what, what the plan is, and there definitely is something I want to talk about later, but um, let's go ahead and first just talk about the game. So Chelsea won no Everton, plain and simple. Did this feel like a win? Now, it is the first game of the season, or you could almost say it is like the end of preseason because there was a lot of rust to shake off. We saw we saw our players out there looked fairly shaky. Some of them looked better than others. And I would say this, the signings probably looked the best to me out of anybody else. Sterling, Koulibaly, and then Kukurela eventually coming on. I thought they, um, aside from probably Thiago Silva, uh, Mendy probably had the best performance um, out of anybody. And um, maybe I'll say differently, but um, overall, 
I definitely thought there were some people who looked fairly shaky. Ben, I won't really um, blame too much. He's still kind of in his grace period where he's getting back from an injury. It's going to be a little harder getting back into match fitness. So I'm not going to talk much about him. Kai, I'm still, I'm still worried about Kai. He's not really showing a kind of pivot in terms of the trend he's been going in. His preseason has been, was pretty lackluster, and we've really kind of been seeing, is there going to be a change in attitude? Is there going to be a change in performance from him? I would say Broya, when he came on, almost seemed a little more impactful. Um, or or so seemed like there was more space available for Broya uh, compared to Kai. I don't know why. But um, Mount did not seem like his normal self, but it also felt like he was very much pushed to the side more than normal. It, it felt like the front three was very wide um, this time. And it feels like they're a little more narrow um, occasionally in games, but I don't know. Mount seemed like an off game for him, but, um, and then Reese for me, Reese seemed different. I don't know. Um, he didn't seem all there. I don't know if there's anything bothering him, but he kind of just seemed a little out of it. Um, as far as Conte goes, I thought Conte had a really good game defensively, but I also thought that an attack, he kind of balanced himself out because I think attack going wise, he was very poor. I didn't see very much um, from him. And I, I saw him lose the ball a good couple of times from straight passes. So it kind of leaves me questioning whether or not Conte should be like in the squad for against Spurs, because he's going to be good um, for stopping attacks and for um, winning the ball back. But there, we still have to have people who can just transition the ball well back into attack. And I just, Conte just leaves a lot of questions hanging for that. I still think I'd rather have see Kovacic. I think Gallagher had a shaky preseason, but I still think he could offer a little bit more better in that department. I thought Jorginho looked decent, but I think he was left on too long. And I'm fine with Jorginho starting now these games if he's going to be in the pivot. But I also think with the new five sub rule, I do think we should maybe be shorting his minutes because – um, it just gets into a like this game was a long game. I think we went into the hundredth minute or so because uh, there was a medical emergency in the stands, also penalty. Um, so it just it dragged on a lot, and it didn't. I think Jorginho was the last person to go out. I think he went out um, in extra time, and I was just thinking that when you bring on Gallagher for Jorginho, I think that that kind of substitution would do better. A little bit earlier on and maybe maybe it was one of those that's like okay it's a one it's a one nil win um if we win but if we shake up anything too early then we might compromise that lead so maybe he didn't want to change things too much but i still think um just keeping georgina on the field too long in these games might might be hindering i want to shout out silva as it looked like he was getting a little hurt in the game but um as we too but both of them had some absolute clutch tackles, some clutch blocks and interceptions. Um, and I was very impressed with them, especially um, Koulibaly. Koulibaly had some great last-ditch efforts. I think they need shouting that probably um, saved the win for us. So that's pretty much my kind of uh, rant lecture about what I thought about the team and the win, really. So I'm going to give each all a chance to really just talk, give your thoughts now. Um, Dylan, why don't you start us off? Tell us what you thought about this game. Um, so kind of all things considered, I'm kind of in the boat of, I am happy that we won. 
Um, I'm a little bit more understanding of the lack of offensive continuity um, than some, um, but I do also rate how we did as a defensive unit. Um, I think Kulabali and just in one, you know, just shy of 90 minute spell was impressive as can be and kind of speaks the same center back language um, as Silva and Asplaqueta do. They were both um, kind of working in tandem with each other. And it seemed that they really didn't miss a beat um, with Koulibaly in there out, you know, rather than Rudiger, I think Koulibaly offered a lot um, to Chelsea in that, because I could think about one specific instance where Tiago Silva was trying to play an offside trap. Um, Koulibaly saw that that wasn't going to work and he rotated, um, rotated back behind Silva and cleared the ball away. And it's just things like that in that experience that makes you really excited about a Koulibaly signing because, you know, you bring in somebody who potentially isn't as experienced or you bring in somebody from the academy. And I think that is a situation right there where you may see a guy break past the lines and a goal is scored. Um, so Koulibaly was really good. Um, I guess I'll just kind of go through the three different position groups. I think the midfield, um, I still think we lack that attacking midfielder that is going to kind of link the play from front to back. And I think Kovacic is that guy. So I was a little questioned why he wasn't in the squad, um, especially with seven days until Spurs and it being a new season. Um, I'm not sure about that selection. Um, we won, so no harm, no foul. Um, however, I think Kovacic really, by not playing, showed how important he was to this team um, last year and moving forward. And we do need another player like him, hence the Frankie de Jong rumors. I mean, you're talking about de Jong as a potential Kovacic 2.0. If you saw his his run that he made today against Pumas for Barcelona, I mean, that's you close your eyes or keep them squinted. And that's Mateo Kovacic making that run in a, in a different game. Um, but I think, you know, Conte are his legs going a little bit. I think that has become a little bit apparent over the last season, but I do feel like that, you know, this is the first summer really where these guys have had an, a bit of rest. I mean, last year, all three of our midfielders were in the euros after a long champions league run in the season, um, so to get a summer off, um, we'll definitely do them well, but we definitely need to add um, at least another midfielder, in my opinion. Um, and in terms of the attack, I think with a team that a group that has going to have to definitely change with Sterling in it, because Sterling, you know, if you look at the heat map, he played more of a center forward role than Kai did yesterday. Um, so Sterling is going to operate down the middle um, as well as the right hand side. So it's a completely different environment really for the uh, wingbacks, the midfielders and the other attackers around Sterling. So it's something that needs to be kind of worked through. Um, I, I don't think that our signings are done yet. So how much of that could change in the next three weeks that when only time will tell. Um, but I think that, with all being said, it, it was a good performance. Um, we definitely did not give up a goal, which, you know, giving up, you know, four to Arsenal and kind of having some leaky other preseason performances 
Um, you know, if, if you don't give up goals, you're not going to lose games. So if that's Tuchel's kind of mentality while he starts to get players in and get players out, I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, as long as we stick up on top of the table and keep getting points from games like this where we need to get points this year, um, you know, it was a good performance for me. Reinhard, how about you? Yeah, I agree with basically everything that Dylan just said. Um, one thing that I would say is uh, obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna start from the back and work my way up uh, when it comes to the team. I think Mendy had a pretty good performance yesterday. Um, you know, there's been some question marks around him. You know, it was his best season, the Champions League season? But I think that yesterday is probably the best way you as a goalkeeper can start the season. You had a few good saves, especially the one from Tarkowski. I think it was from a corner, definitely a header, but I just can't remember if it was from a corner. And then, um, yeah, like a double save of the Kure. And um, yeah, when it comes to defense, I think the defense is probably the best part of the, of the team. Uh, you know, Koulibaly, very interesting to see him, you know, take up that Rudiger role, I guess. Very much, um, you can see Tuchel, told him he has the license to go forward a bit. Sometimes, because it's his first time playing in a back three, I guess, uh, he had too too much. He was too ambitious, trying to go forward too much at times because there was uh, one time where Everton were going on the counter-attack. It was just Thiago Silva at the back telling Mendy to come claim the ball, but Mendy stayed back. And then Thiago Silva had to do a clutch tackle with the back of his foot to to stop the ball from going towards goal, which Mendy could have saved, I guess. But yeah, you know, Koulibaly will just... He'll, he'll get used to the role I can immediately see how he fits in this team and I'm gassed that we have him he's, he's such a good defender he had so many clutch tackles as well I think he's probably already the best slide tackler in the in the league because his slide tackles are just amazing Thiago Silva maestro he is is top three center back in the league nothing more to really say about him that we we don't already know I think so uh Aspie had a, had, a, had a good performance as well Reese is a bit of a different one. I think he was not himself, but once again, first game of the season, I think he um, obviously went out with England, played some games with them, and then he had a longer break for preseason. So it's understandable that he's not as fit as the rest of the players that maybe didn't go on international duty. But, you know, he'll just get out of what... It, it's not even a slump. I don't know what it is. It's just a little dip in performance, and then he'll be back to being the best right back in the in the world. And um, for Kanta, I think he had decent game defensively, as you said. Um, very much good on the dribble. Decent linking up play. But when it came to the very top of the pitch, I think he lost the ball too many times. Jorginho had an okay game. I feel he got caught out quite a few times, especially one time. I remember he was on the bottom left-hand side of the pitch um, and he lost the ball, which Koulibaly had to make a, a tackle for to you know, kind of bail him out there. But um, I guess he's happy to do that since they're good friends. Chile, I thought, had a decent game for his first game back. Won the penalty, of course, which is good. Had some good dribbling. You know, he could he could always improve, and he will improve his first game back, as I just said. Um, now it comes to the most controversial part, I guess, the attack. For Kai Havertz, I, I'm, I'm a very strong believer in Kai. He's one of my favorite players, just because I, I, I watch him for Germany. And the, the, the role he plays for Germany is very different than the role he plays for, for Chelsea. In, in Germany, he's obviously he's the main striker, but he gets to roam wherever he wants. But the thing that I think would be interesting for this Chelsea team is I would like to see Kai maybe paired with Brojas or Broja sometimes. Maybe get that big, big, well, not that Kai is small, but like the big, formidable, not, uh, more in-the-box poacher striker in Broja, And then Kai like roaming around him, linking up play, you know, trying to play off of him. I think that would be interesting. Sterling, I thought, was incredible. 
Um, we really missed someone that can dribble like him, take the ball, just carry it. Eden Hazard was the last player we had that can do anything close to what Sterling can do. I think he'll have an incredible season. He almost scored, I think, well, he scored the one goal, which was then ruled offside. And then he almost scored another goal, which uh, Mikulenko from Everton blocked, where Kukurela, uh crossed it in perfectly. That was a great cross. And then same with Mason in terms of Reese. Um, I think he also just had a little bit of a dip in performance. We know how good he is. He'll he'll get there. And he was pretty invisible, I guess, in the game, but he didn't have much to do since Everton was sitting back as much as they were. And then for this for the subs, I think um Pulisic had a pretty decent game. Um he's definitely gonna stay since it looks like Cho's leaving Broja, I think. Uh, had a had a good game as well. Very fast, had a few good runs. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. And then um the last player that I really want to talk about is Kukarella. Very excited to see what he can do. On the ball, he's very quick, dribbling. He keeps the ball close to his feet. Had a few very good passes. As I said, the, the good cross for, for Sterling. And then he had a pass where he got caught out, got the ball back and just pinged it in the middle of the of the pitch, which we don't really see. So I think I can see what Tuka wants to do with this team. It's very it's very interesting. And he obviously needs a few more signings. He wants a few more signings, like maybe Fofana, uh, De Jong, maybe one more attacker. I don't know. But I think... Until we get those signings, we just need to try and, you know, get these wins, you know, claw them out. Not that we really need to. I think it's very hard to go to Goodison and um, beat Everton there. But when it comes to having our squad in the state that it's in, not not complete yet in terms of Tuchel's vision, I think we just need to get the wins. And then when we have it, when you have it complete, we have that progressive defensive center back on the right side where Aspie is more of a right back, I guess. And then a, a player that can link with uh, defense to midfield, midfield to attack in maybe De Jong or whatever. And then an attacker that can create or score whatever he thinks we need. I think it'll be a lot better and we'll see the, we'll see the team really starting to gel and play well together like we did in the first half of the season before both of our wingbacks got injured. So yeah, I think it was a decent performance, but definitely improvement to be made and, and it will inevitably happen. No, a lot of good things said. Score, do you have any thoughts you want to add on to all that? Well, I mean, everyone just kind of <laughs> it's like you stole my lines. Um, I'll go I'll go through I'll go through the different areas of the pitch like others have. Um that feels the best way to do it. Um firstly, Mendy. Um it was encouraging to see him a bit more back to his best. Um, made some good saves, uh, looked looked sharp. Um, better than I've seen him for a while. Uh, that was encouraging. Uh, made some, made a couple of important saves, uh, actually. Uh, so that was encouraging. The defence, um, the collective age of, I think, of 101 or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kudabali was brilliant. Uh, looked, he looked a class act right from the beginning. Uh, you could see, you can just tell with class player, they just, they just exude class. Um, defensively, he was always in position. He was he brought the ball out well. His passing was good. Um, you know, he got the pass in for the for the uh, for the penalty um, and looked calm, composed. Didn't look um, you know out of place. Obviously, he got cramped a bit later on. That's probably down to a lack of matches. But uh, yeah, no worries about him. Thiago Silva was Thiago Silva. Um, you know, absolute top class, never looked flustered, always in the right position, anticipated everything, just organised that defence, um, absolutely brilliant. Um, Aspie, first half, first half he didn't look great, 
um, bit sloppy and slow and stuff. And I, again, I, I reiterate, I don't think he's he could be a he could be a number one starter for us this season. Um, second half, he was better. Um, he's, he seems to be quite good at calming a game down when when you have a lead, you need to close out a game, and that's probably his experience. Um, that's why why he's good to keep around the squad. Um, so that was the defence, the midfield. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> um, I think whenever we play with Jorginho in midfield, our, mid, our, our play becomes a lot slower. Uh, I've noticed I noticed that a lot of our best attacking performances last season uh, were when Jorginho wasn't playing. When we you know we played a lot of there are a lot of games where we played high intensity attacking football, got the ball forward quickly, um, and I mean Liverpool was one where. We were doing that all game when we could have been ahead, and then Jorginho came on and we kind of slowed it all slowed down. Um, so he had a solid game. He wasn't well. He's caught out position a couple of times, which is a recurring pattern. Unfortunately, um, he's not great on counter attacks. Um, Kante, like everyone else has said, great defensively, no problems really. Like he gave the ball away further up the pitch a couple of times. Um, probably again lack of lack of sharpness, and he's not an attacking midfielder. I mean, you know. Um, but he's a box to box midfielder. Um, but defensively, he was he was brilliant. He was fine. I had no problems with him. Wing backs, um, neither of them looked 100% sharp at all. I, I, was, I was more shocked by Reese James, actually. I wasn't surprised at Ben Chilwell because he's still, still coming back from an injury. Um, I don't expect him to be fully himself for a few months, to be honest. Um, but Reese James, I, I couldn't. I was like, wow, was I, you know, like this is this somebody else in Reese James's body or something, you know? Um, like he took a load of corners, which are really bad, and I was, you know, it was really, it was it was weird. Um, but of course, it's a lack of it's a lack of sharpness, and he came back later and hasn't played as many preseason games, so I'm not worried about that at all. You know, we all know how good Reese James is, uh, and I'm sure he'll be back to his normal self very quickly. And he didn't cost us at all. I mean, he even came into midfield at one point. I remember. Um, which was really interesting. He literally was in the centre of midfield, and I was, I was curious about that because I, I, I've always wanted to see Reese James play in midfield. So um, that might be a hint as to what happens in the future, though, because Kukureta can do that as well. Um, I'll come to him in a minute. Um, then the front three, um, Raheem Sterling was incredible. Really looked so sharp. Um, positionally, was brilliant. Got in, got in good positions. Um, was beating defenders, getting in behind, creating problems with his movement and his dribbling. Um, something we haven't had an attack for a while, like everyone else has said. And yeah, he's going he's gonna to be great for us. I've got no doubt about it. Um, in terms of mentality as well, I think he brought something to the team. Um, you know, he didn't look flustered or out of place or like um, he looked confident uh, and assured. So no problems with him. Um, Mason didn't have his best game. Um, I mean, it's not, again, it's not his natural position, but even then, I don't think he played his best game. I think he was asked to play a bit wider than normal, which, again, is not his best position. Um, but, again, not worried about him because he's, we know how good he is. Kai, yeah, um, I, I rate him. I believe in his talent. I have always have. Um, this season, he's got to deliver. Like It's his third season. Um, wasn't great, um, and you know I'm not concerned at all. But he's got to start stepping it up soon. Um, he's got to start showing his talent on a consistent basis. Um, so 
yeah, wait and see on that one. Um, in terms of the substitutes, um, Broya looked fantastic. Um, he was causing all sorts of problems. He was holding the ball up. He was in, he was quick in behind. He was physical. Um, looked looked dangerous. You know, it looked like something we didn't have before. Um, very Costa-like, actually. Um, I got Costa vibes watching him. Um, Kukareda came on and looked, looked really good. Um, high energy, good on the ball, good passing, good crossing, created a good chance. Um, yeah, really calm as well. Um, not rushed, not panicked, you know, good temperament. Um, looks, looks a class player. Um, I was really impressed with him. Um, uh, who else came off the bench? Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek came off the bench. I think he played right wing back when he came on. And again, I've, I've always been impressed with him at right wing back. He looks dangerous. He's, he's got the physicality. He can get in behind. And some of his crosses are good. I mean, he, not yesterday, but in pre-season, certainly some of them were. So he was pretty solid when he came on. I think he won a free kick and stuff as well. So um, no problems with him. Um, Conor Gallagher got on for about two minutes, so it's difficult, it's unfair to judge him. Um, but it was nice to see him come on um, and get a debut. It was his Chelsea debut. So, um, and Pulisic as well. Yeah, I mean, like he wasn't spectacular, but he you know, he's quick and he's dangerous. So, you know, he made some good runs. Um, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a great performance. It was a solid performance of like, let's just get the goal and defend and like we don't have to be at our best just just get the win um which is normal for a first game of the season you know so i'm not worried at all because a lot of our players aren't 100 fit yet um they're not match fit fully match fit yet um that will come we haven't got our full squad yet there's going to be players coming in for sure um and once we've got all our squad together and everyone is fit then that'll be the time to start making judgments about this team. So um, tough test next week against Spurs. Um, there, that's going to be a very difficult game um, because of how fit they are, how quick they play football. We're going to have to be on our game. I don't think we need. To, I don't think we should be playing Jorginho in that game. Um, I, I think because of the pace they play football, we can't afford to be caught out like that. So yeah. Um, but overall, you know, it's a nice, solid first day win. So, yeah, that's that's my views on it. I just had a quick thought, and I was just kind of listening to all of our takes and kind of about how, you know, like Mason and, and Reese played, and I, I want to get everyone's thoughts on this, is, you know, Everton, their main approach today were, or yesterday was let's shrink the field and let's make it as compact as possible. Right. So, you know, and that's a lot of what our issues were last year and it appeared to me. And I think maybe that this is, you know, Mason was playing out further wide, trying to do interchanges, um, you know, especially on the right-hand side with Asby Reese and himself, and, and it really never went anywhere, you know? So, it, it kind of seems like, yeah, this is kind of the same thing as last year. And then we talk about, you know, who is a center forward or an attacker that we can bring in. And, and I think we talked about this in the chat yesterday, but like, you know, we're still kind of playing like we have a, a player like Giroud 
that we can, you know, whip balls in and, and such when it's just not the case. I, I don't know if you guys kind of gathered some of that stuff from the game, but that was kind of an overwhelming thing that I took away from it. And it's similar to what we've seen last year. Yeah, I agree. I think it's always odd for me when we try and cross the ball when we don't have a formidable strike in the middle that can capitalize on the crosses, but then mm-hmm. we sub on a player like Brozier and then we stop crossing the ball, which is right. very weird. And um, I think that's something that we need to hash out. This It was the same uh, last year where we wouldn't play Lukaku and then we'd sub him on and we'd stop with the crosses. So I think that's just something we need to hash out. Uh, that's one thing that I really like about Cucurella is that his crosses um, are very unique in the sense that they're low and on the on the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for, for players to tap them in like Sterling almost did. So I think if we play Cucurella, I, I don't know exactly what the whole combination is going to be with Chilwell and Cucurella. Is he going to play left center back and Chile's going to play left wing back? Is it just going to be a pure rotational both play left wing back scenario? But I'm very interesting to see Cucurella because at this moment in time, I would probably say we should play Cucurella against Spurs looking at how he played just because I think Spurs are obviously going to play five at the back. It's going to be a lot of running for Ben. I don't think it's necessary for him to, to put him through that just yet. And Cucurella looks happy to run. I mean, he was playing with a smile on the whole time while running. It's very, very odd, concerning in a way. But, you know, we take those. But... um yeah, I think Cucurella would help with the with with breaking down defenses, and then as we said, we need an attacker that can capitalize on either someone creating for him or or him creating for others. That's mm-hmm. that's just the main thing. We just need a, a, an attacker that's part of the attack. If that makes any sense, we we haven't had like Lukaku wasn't really part; he was just there causing a fuss. And then we need a midfielder like. We've been linked to De Jong, who can link all the areas of the pitch together. That's how I feel about it. I, don't, I think it will it will help a lot if you have those on the pitch. One thing, real quick, is just I love how fast and how direct Cucurella was, and I think like that kind of caught the eye of a lot of Chelsea fans, and everyone's like, "Wow, that's sixty million pounds well spent." But you know, it, it's just different from you know Alonso and even Chilwell. At some point, you know, they're taking their time down down the wings, but. You know, right. I'm thinking of that one, you know, that really good chance to Sterling where he just went down the middle and put a direct ball for a runner. Now, obviously, Sterling is a guy that is going to make those runs and we didn't necessarily have that before. But I just think that's, uh, you know, his activity and his ability to make quick decisions was kind of refreshing to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because he comes from the Barcelona Academy, of course. And that's one thing that I like a lot about Pedri when I watch Barcelona is he's very quick on the ball. He he doesn't take long to to run around and think, okay, what I'm going to do here? I'm going to pass there. Now I'm going to pass here. No, he already knows what he's going to do when he gets the ball. And that's something we need, you know, just some speed, especially on the wings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think he's a very good signing. Yeah, if- I was very impressed with, with that. Um it's so rare to see Chelsea play at pace like since and and you know this has been a common pattern since god it's gonna sound horrible since 2018 since Sari came in and since we brought in Jorginho since we've changed the way we play like we used to play a very aggressive high intensity counter-attacking style and then that changed uh, because of them partly because of the midfield that we have and until, yeah, we haven't we haven't got that back, and so like I'm, yeah, I'm we're kind of all begging to for us to start playing a 
you know, a quick, intense, aggressive style of football where we get the ball forward and we get crosses in and we get three balls in behind and, you know, we have attackers who can take those chances. We're all looking for that. So when we see Cucurella come in and do what he did, it's like, wow, you know, we haven't seen, we've been starved of this for so long. You know? Yeah, so refreshing. That's why my problem is with Jorginho. Like I just say all the time, um, maybe not all the time, I'm probably exaggerating, but the times where I notice Jorginho most is when we are trying to build up the play and he gets, he he's facing our goal and he's leaning over the ball and he's expecting a foul to happen. I mean, I think Reinhard, you said it, that if, if he does that against Spurs and they don't call a foul, we're screwed, (laughs) you know, because they're going to transition quick on us and it's not going to be like Everton without a striker. It's going to, it's going to hurt for us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think the thing about Spurs that, that scare me a bit is uh, Kane is always looking for Son. Son is always looking for Kane and then Kulisevsky is looking for them both. That's the thing that we need to be uh, wary of. And the good thing is uh, we've got, especially if we, I don't even know if this is possible to get Fofana in before then, but if we get uh, a defense in that can match them all, you know, like Fofana would match Son, Thiago would match Kane, Kulabali mm-hmm. would match Kulusevski, that would help a lot. But when it comes to on the transition, because that's what Spurs want, they want you to push forward, they want to get the ball, they want to go on the break. I think if we're playing Jorginho against them, which I wouldn't necessarily like him to play, but I wouldn't be completely, oh no, we're definitely going to lose this game if I see him in the, on the pitch, because I do think he has his qualities that are very good, especially if we're looking to uh, play the ball into um, in between the lines, I guess. But if it's if it's a team that's constantly pressing you, uh, like Spurs might do, especially their midfielders, Benton Kerr runs a lot, and uh, Hoiberg is very good defensively as well. It, it could be a liability in a sense, but I don't want to sound like this Jorginho hating person, if that's even a thing. I just mm. think that it's um, definitely a thing. Yeah, oh, yeah no. um, I just think that uh, Kovacic would be better suited for for, for Spurs, and um, I'm not sure if I would start Kante. You know, I would definitely start Kovacic, as I said so many times mm. last season. It's Kovacic plus one, and um, whoever that plus one is, we still need to figure out. But I also wouldn't make it Gallagher. I wouldn't play him. You know, his first start for Chelsea in the Premier League against Spurs, and I don't think his best position is in the six. That's why I'm also very. I'm probably just going all over the place, aren't I? I'm. I'm I'm also very confused about what Gallagher's role will be this this season. That's why I think where we need to play a three in the midfield, which we, we, we tried it a few times. It didn't work because our three midfielders were Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic every time. But now right. we have some versatility in there. We've got Loftus-Cheek that we can use because he's looking better. We've got Gallagher. We've got potentially um, De Jong coming in that could look better. We can drop Mount in there. So, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 all up. It's all up in the air at the moment, but I think it, it, it's very interesting to see what we, we will do. And just one more last thing in, uh, in terms of the Spurs game. If we were to lose, which is a possibility, I really rate Conte and, and, and what he's doing at the moment. I wouldn't, you know, be too reactionary about it at, at the end of the day. You know, it's our, some of our players' first or second game playing. And they've been, you know, they've been together and focusing on the goal of playing better football and and making the team cohesive throughout the whole of preseason. They've had more preseason games than us, so I, would I think just... it would just. I think it would depend on what kind of loss it would be. You know, obviously, yeah. You know, if it's like an Arsenal preseason type of showing, oh, then I think yeah. that would be something to be concerned about. But if it's a relatively close game, I mean, 
you know, like every Liverpool game last season. <laughs> right. I mean, they're two really good teams. So, you know, you're not going to win every single one. But if we put a performance like against Arsenal in the Florida Cup or whatever, I mean, you know, I don't think Tuchel will let that happen, first of all. Just I think he'll set up in a way that doesn't allow us to get to get burned like that and to be so disor you know, unorganized. However, you know, I just think, you know, it depends on how the loss would be before I would say, okay, I wouldn't be disappointed. I think you got to remember that it's the London Derby tax. So no matter what the context is, if we lose, we're, people are going to make a big deal about this. Oh, it's Spurs. Yeah. It's going to be banter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but Spurs is good. You know, we, as much as they're very Spurs, you know, Spursy is a, is a thing and a way of life. I mean, Conte is doing his best to kind of change that. So it's going to be quite the test for us, even at home. Yeah, I don't know if you guys watched the... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, go, go. No, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, like, especially with our recent home record, because our recent home record is not good. We won eight games yeah. last year at home, I think. Um, it's a new season, good. boys. So it's a new season. <laughs> we're going to have to really... You know, we're going to have to be really on our game. And I am really hoping that we um, sort out Wesley Fafana before that game so yeah. that he can start that game because I think we were gonna we're gonna need him because I do not want I do not want a centre back a trio of Aspelaqueta, Thiago Silva and Kulabali against Harry Kane and Son um with Ricardo yeah. come off the bench. I, I, I just don't if it uh, doesn't if we don't get Fafana I mean would this be a Reese James at right centre back type of game for you? I would rather play Chalaba. Okay. I if think I would want Chalaba. If we don't get him, if we don't get him this week, then I would put Reese James at right centre back and Ruben Loftus Cheek at right wing back because no, that's a shout. That's a good shout. That's not gives bad. you athleticism on the outside both ways. I, mean, I think Reese is still a quality enough uh, player to still offensively impact the game from that right centre back position. You know, it could actually be a shout because I think it depends on who you ask. I guess who is Spurs's most. Uh, threatening players it's Son or is it Kane I think if we're going to play Koulibaly say right centre back and Kukurela uh, left centre back which he could play you know that is also a shout but the thing is Kukurela isn't as formidable when it comes to um, physically you know like 5'8 or something he's small yeah but man he runs yeah (laughs) I don't know it's it's gonna be hard but you know that's that's Tuchel's job you just can't turn the ball over against Spurs that's the big thing you don't especially in the midfield if you can control the midfield and be strong with the ball you know, the, the, what they want to do is they want Harry Kane to pick it up at the middle of the field and then just have the wingers and, and wing backs just be bolstering it on the sides. So you have to be strong with the ball. That's the first yeah. thing that needs to happen. Well, what, think, what do you guys think the attack should look like? Well, this might be a good opportunity for me to chime in on uh, a question that somebody had. Um, and so my, one of my friends, uh, his name is Marv, but he also goes by Rash on Twitter. Um, he asked about how we're feeling about players being out of um, played out of position. I think he kind of thinks about Mount kind of being in the front three, still feels like he's out of position. Um, and then he's like, would you like to see a back four or a back three? Um, I, I all know that I've always harped on being a back four player, and I'm not saying we should do a back four uh, for Spurs right now. But what I did was thinking is that um, – 
how I mentioned with there's a lot of uh, wingers that we have leaving um, right now. Maybe mm-hmm. and somebody else had mentioned this before. Maybe the three five two might be a better shout for um, setting up. And right now we're in the grace period um, where our fixtures schedule is not super congested. We got about a week apart between most of our games. So if there's ever, ever a time to experiment still in training, it is now while we still have more training days in between each game. So let's think about this. Let's entertain this possibility of a three, five, two right now. If you, yeah. and I'm because Sterling did kind of play more like a central role, like a center forward. Like I saw Kai being far out wide. I saw Broya being far out wide and he left Sterling in the middle, which I wasn't super sure why, unless because he thought Sterling would drop back and link up, or he just wanted to pace straight down the middle. But let's think about this, uh, like a, a foe lineup. Up top, even though he's struggling, I still think Kai is the guy you have to have up top. You have Kai and Sterling as the two, and then Sterling kind of is a bit of a roamer, a bit of a um, false nine. You have um, – I do think the shout for uh, Ruben – at right mid is decent, but I don't know if um I don't know if we would go for that. So I'm gonna just say Reese right now as the right wing back. And then think about this: you have Mount kind of as a 10 or an eight, and then you have Kovacic and then Jorginho in there. And I think the fact that Jorginho is like the bottom of the three is not as bad since we still have the three at the back. Um, and I just also don't think Tuchel is really going to take Jorginho out right now because he seems like a key role in that. And then I would say, um, and this also, um, I want to shout out my boy Millie, who also um, wanted to know what we thought about Cucurella's debut. We all said some pretty good things about him. And he looked, um, Millie thought he looked very sharp. I thought he looked very sharp. And I thought Cucurella's fitness compared to Chilwell's seems much higher. And I think this is going to be a very high-intensity game. So I would personally shout out Cucurella to start over Chilwell, at least for yeah. this game. And then maybe the South – I think South – I think we have Leeds. In, is it Leeds-Leicester in Southampton after this? I know um, Leeds is next. That's Yeah. I think those games might be a better chance for Chilwell to start just because um, he'll have more time to rest and train. And also we'll have a better idea like how – Aspie and Silva's health uh, leads on. So we'll know if Cucurella has to go into left center back and Kulavali has to move on or not uh, to the middle. But I think Cucurella would be a good shout to be on the left uh, wing back. And then for the back three, Kulabali, Silva. And I would I would do Chalaba because I think if we have Aspie there, I think Son's going to target him all game. And as much as Chalaba has had some issues with tackling inside the box, I still think Aspie has an error in him these days. And I don't know if I want to put him up against Kane and Son or even Kuliseski for that point. I mean, I love Aspen. I put him um, highly regard with him, obviously. But I think this is going to be a game where we need a lot of tough physicality and we're going to need to keep people just in check. And I think Chalaba has that kind of aggression and pace that can match uh, Son fairly well or Kuliseski, however they line up. Um and then obviously many in goal. So what do y'all think about trying to do a three, five, two formation, whereas we have Mount more centralized and the Sterling's kind of roaming between kind of um, off Kai and Kai also spreads out wide too. And then obviously 
you have Reese and Cucurella who have more freedom to push out wide. I mean, I'm not a tactician. I'm not Tuchel, but does that sound like the worst option compared to how, how we did this week against Everton like this or how we've just been doing recently in this formation? I like the idea of a 3-4-1-2, yeah, with Mason Mount as kind of a 10 roaming eight. Um, that's more suited to his strengths. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, and I like the Trev right centre back, Reese uh, right wing back shout as well. Um, that's definitely a good one. Um, I don't I just don't I just don't want to see Jorginho start in this game because I I don't trust him. Like I I I think he'll get caught if he gets caught out of position, it won't take much for for Harry Kane to run straight through him and get a pass in for Son or Son or Son to go straight through him and get a, you know and then and then that's a goal, you know. So uh, or last ditch tackle by our defense, you know, it seems to happen a lot. Um so I, I just it's Kante's got to play. Like, I mean, Kante has to start the big games. He can't start every game, but he's got to start the big games. He's got to start this game. Like, um, and so is Kovacic. I mean, they're, they're the two most physical midfielders that we have mm-hmm. as well. Um, and it's going to be a physical game. And, um, I've, I, you know, <laughs> Jorginho is the kind of player that I, I, I think one of his biggest strengths actually is when you're winning a game, like you're 2-0 up or something like that, with like 15 minutes to go and you want to close out the game, mm-hmm. and you want to keep control of possession, bring him on. Like, I remember we did that once. That happened against Crystal Palace under Frank Lampard. He came off the bench. We were winning the game. We were like two goals, two goals up. It was like 4-2 or something. And um, we were struggling like to control the game. And then he came on and we got control of possession. The game slowed down and we won the, we won the game. Right? That, he, that Because he's really good at that. Um, I just don't want it from the start against Tottenham Hotspur. I would, especially not at the expense of Kante. Um, like you know, um, because if you've got Kante and Kovacic, Kovacic can get forward. Kante can just stay back. You know, we don't need Kante to kind of get up the pitch against Tottenham Hotspur. So, uh, especially when Mount's in that kind of midfield position and he's creating and he's linking up the play and everything like that with the attack. So, yeah. Um, I would be tempted. I'd actually be tempted to play Broyer from the start, but he won't do that. Um, um, just because of, just because of his physical power and his, like you know, kind of shithousery, the kind of they will unsettle their defence. You know, I'll be I'd be tempted, but I don't think he will. Um, I think he'll play Kai. Um, you know, so yeah, but that kind of formation in principle, I kind of like that, and I prefer that to what we're doing now. Yeah, for sure. I do like that shout. I definitely did think about putting Conte there and make him more of a destroyer and just make maybe let him hang back a little bit more and just break up any um, presses or sorry, any counterattacks um, and then let everyone um, crash back. And maybe I definitely can see this team being a lot easier about managing Conte um, in Georgina's role. And like he doesn't have to really distribute well or Kovacic could just like have that role. And then as they progress on, he just pushes more forward and then Conte just hangs back while they progress past him. Um, but I also think with Tiago Silva in the middle, he does a good job of being able to distribute as well. And we have fairly good ball players. I mean, let's also remember that Kulabali and um, Chalba are both very good, um, very good passers. Um, I will say Kulabali did have a, a couple straight passes this past game, but I'll just put that down to rust. So 
the, but I will also counter that with, since I shouted as P on the bench with for Chalaba, I don't think um Georgina would also be benched. I think, at least for captaincy or leadership, I feel like Tuchel wants one of those two out there. Person, just as a thought. Dylan, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, I I think that um, you know, as much as we harp over the formation of how it's set up on paper, I think we're generally going to get what we've gotten. I mean, you are looking at a team that has consistently over the past, you know, as long as Tuchel has been there and implemented a system has had a very fluid front three. That's the reason why Mount is technically included in that front three is because he can slide back as that 10, but it's definitely just going to be a matter of, okay, how is the game shaping out and what adjustments need to be made from there? I think I would rather not have Jorginho and Aspilicueta in the game um, to start and then if the game does need shutting down as score said then that's a time where okay we can put them in the game because we're just going to sit back and there's not going to be so much reliance on having defensive pace to stop sun and whatnot um you know you are you're you, it's just going to be as, as what we've seen it's, it's a fluid front um the only real time last year that we really saw anything much different um, from a uh, starting formation tactical point is when then we put Kai and Lukaku together. Um, And I I just don't think that you're going to put Kai and Broja together, um, especially when it hasn't been done in in a huge game um, as Tottenham always is. So it will be interesting to see how it goes. I, I do think that Cucurella, um, as you mentioned, Trey will probably start um, because I think that you are going to have some players in the midfield like Conte and Kovacic, I, I suppose. Um, you are going to need a guy that's going to be able to move the ball quickly um, from the outside to inside. And I think Cucurella definitely showed that um, kind of as Reinhardt suggested from his, you know, Barcelona experience I think that's something that this team really needs and I think when you look at how our offensive structure is a lot of the times why these things don't work is because we're just so careful and considerate with where our passes need to go and that leads to a slow buildup and it leads to simple rotations from the opposition um so definitely I think Cucurella is a must in this game um I would probably give Kai, you know, 60 minutes um, just because, you know, you like Broja. Um, he's definitely uh, aggressive. He he runs hard. And that's one thing that um, I really rate about him because not saying Kai doesn't run hard, but I think Broja, one thing that stood out to me watching him with Southampton um, and just for a little bit um, against Everton is that he runs with a purpose. There's never uh, okay. Um, you know, you see Caverts a lot with pressing. He's going to run over there because that's his responsibility. Brozier's running over there because he wants to really bother and harass the the opposition defender to kind of make a mistake. So I do rate that about Brozier, and I think that if he continues to do that, um, you know, in lesser games, I think you will see him start to play in some of these bigger games because that is a skill in itself. I mean, you saw how last year with Lukaku when he wouldn't press and it was just an issue. Uh, 
we couldn't really formulate what worked for us when we won the champions league. And that's harassing center backs and causing mistakes and making quick dynamic movements off of those mistakes. So in order to do that, we need to be make sure that everyone in that front group is pressing hard. Um, now I think that we're going to have a lot of the ball against Tottenham, especially at home. Um, so definitely ball security is a must. Um, I would probably say because Kovacic and Conte both have a knack for in our opposite when we're on offense on our attacking end of giving the ball away, whether it's errant passes and stuff. But I guess I would rather that than have Jorginho give the ball away 30 yards from our goal. So that's kind of my whole midfield calculation. It's not much of one, um, but it kind of just seems like that would probably make sense for how Tottenham's going to try and play against us. Reinhard, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, my general thoughts on the on the Spurs game is um, I think I, I've, I watched the, the, the game uh, Spurs versus Southampton, and one thing that I noticed that we will definitely, I think it's the, the main the main force uh, that they, they, they use to, to break teams down is their wingbacks. And that's why it's very important for us to make sure that we get our wingback selections correct. So um, their right wingback against Southampton was Emerson Royale. So they obviously bought Jet Spence from Forest, I believe. I don't think they would start Spence. So I think we can assume Royale will be there. Uh, right wing back again. That's why I would say Cucurella would be a very Cucurella. I think is just better than Real. I don't know. If that's maybe a bit naive, but I think that he can. He he would be a good selection for wing back um, on the left side and on the right side. Their wing back was Ryan Sessegnon, and they obviously bought in uh, Perisic. So for for Sessegnon, he's obviously fast. Um, that's why I think it would either have to be Reese or. I'm trying to think, would Ruben be able to keep up with him because he's going to run him ragged? I think it would have to be Reese actually. And then when it comes to their attack, one thing that we all, all obviously know is Kane loves to drop deep, which would kind of make them a three in midfield in that sense, um, especially when, when trying to link attack. So that's why if we play with a three in midfield, I would I would say Kante and Kovacic have to play because Kante as that destroyer, Kovacic as that dribbler, to 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 break down the ball and trying to play around them because they'll press towards you and that's one thing that uh, Spurs obviously like to do is they they played with Hoiberg uh, uh, and Bentenker as midfielders who are both sort of defensively minded so in that sense I don't think the midfield battle will be as hard as it could be essentially so if if we get the midfield balance correct I think it will also if we I'm trying to think how I can word this. If we meet beat them in the middle of the of the middle of the pitch, so that includes the wingbacks and their midfielders, I think we have the game. Because when it comes to their defense, if we've got Raheem Sterling on the right hand side playing against Ben Davies, I think he can completely take him out of the game. Their, their middle center back was Eric Dye and their right center back was Christian Romero, who I really rate. So we would have to try and force it down their right hand side with Reese and Sterling. And in that sense, I think we can definitely hurt them. So I would say in terms of my lineup for Spurs, I would keep the same back three, maybe put in Chalabar to, to handle Son, um, if Fafana's at all available. We don't even know if he's coming. I'm just um, uh, 
wishful <laughs> thinking. But um, yeah, in terms of the midfield, I would say Kante, Kovacic. Maybe if you play a three, then Mount is the other one. Uh, one thing that I would say that I, th- I thought Tuchel should have done it a bit earlier against Everton. I think the only reason he didn't was because we were, it was such a narrow lead, is maybe put on uh, Gallagher, but sooner, because he's he's a carbon copy of Mount in terms of his pressing and his intensity. And um, that's the one thing that I don't think Tottenham will be able to keep up with is our intensity. Not that we're f- more fit than them at all. I just think that we have players with more intensity, more urgency than they do. Um so I think the other two, the forwards, like I already said, was should should be Sterling, and then I would probably stick with Kai in the midfield. Like I said, Kantek, which is probably Mason, and then Reese right wing back and Cucurella left wing back, and I think we can hurt them. Um, Basuma was doubtful, I see, uh, but he he did come off the bench. I think he might even play instead of uh, Bentancur, which could be a problem. I do rate Basuma. I think he's very good on the dribble, very good defensively as well, sort of like a larger Kante. But um, like I said, if we if we can match them properly in midfield, we can we can cause them issues, and that's one thing that we were good with last season is is beating Tottenham. I think we did it four times, if I'm not mistaken. So I just hope we can do it again. If we keep Son and Kane out of the game, we've won, and that's the one thing that I'm com- uh, confident in is our centre backs, uh, especially Thiago Silva and Koulibaly. Deja uh, Deja Kuliseski looks like their maiden. Uh, outlet in terms of creativity right now and he's going to have a very tough day coming up against Kulabali. I mean, Kulabali came up came off with a, with a cramp, but I think he'll be fine. So yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game against them, but I, I am positive, dare I say, that we could that we could get something out of it, but um, yeah, like I said, it's going to be a tough game. Well, to add on to something you pointed out uh, with uh, Kulabali getting in the cramps um, and then he had to come off are y'all getting worried any about the current health slash fitness <coughs> of our defenders? Um, Koulibaly, I wouldn't really put that in a real danger zone. I'm thinking that's more a fitness, more game readiness um, from preseason. I'm talking more uh, Thiago Silva and Aspilicueta because it seems like for past couple of games, especially last season, Silva's showing some breakdown in his physicality that, as, as it goes further on to games or sometimes not even that far into games, he seems to be struggling with his, um, with his fitness a little bit more. And then obviously Asby not as, not really struggling as much in terms of like he goes down, but you can see he's just ran ragged, like and tired and he doesn't have the pace anymore. And he's just as many games as he played last season. Um, I know he's had a good break this season because there is a, um, a long-standing move to Barcelona in the air that um, obviously is not happening anymore. So I don't really think he has as much fitness um, as the other team um, as the other uh, players on the team. But um, what are y'all thinking in terms of are you worried or not um, for our center back depth? Because um, right now Saar looks like he's going to go to Monaco. We do have Chalaba. Cucurella can play left center back if need. Um, Reese couldn't play right center back, but obviously that's probably not really a good um, option considering we don't have any real wing bet depth. Um, and I mean, you could say Ruben, but he's kind of makeshift depth. Um, and then obviously we have Wesley Fofana who we're thinking about, but really right now I want to focus on your thoughts on are you worried at all about the current fitness and depth of our center backs right now? Um, go ahead. 
No, I was just thinking, um, in terms of currently, yes, I do think we need one more center back. But if we get one more, I think we're fine. Sar is leaving, so I'm not counting him as a as an option. I think if you look at it as like for like replacements, in terms of left hand side, we've got Kukurela now. Um, in the center, Kulabali can play there. He's very good uh, with the ball. Uh, Chalaba can also play there, which is which is fine. And then obviously Silva, which is the main center back on in the middle. On the right side, we've got Chalaba who can play there, who has played there quite a bit. Aspi, of course, Reese can play there. And if we get whoever the last center back is, that'll also help. And then the last center back would preferably also be able to, should be able to be comfortable with the ball because that's just the system that we play, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I'm not extremely worried. I think, obviously, Kulabali, he, he came back a bit late. He didn't have as many preseason games or as many uh practices and drills and fitness training as the rest of the team so he just had a bit of a cramp i think Tuchel saw it fit to take him off that's fine i don't think we should read read too much into that uh for silva i mean he pulled up a few t- not pulled up like injured himself but you know had a few cramps last season as well he ran quite a bit uh, against everton especially like i said that one time where Kulabali went up forward a bit too much you know he tried to ask for the ball back the ball got lost I can't exactly remember who who lost the ball and then they were coming on the counter-attack Silva had to run backwards very very quickly and that's just not his game it's like Van Dijk Van Dijk hates to hates running it's not that he can't run he just hates running he, he doesn't feel like it should be necessary for him to run if his positioning is good enough and that's the same with Silva and I think he just maybe had a bit of a cramp afterwards he was happy clapping the fans and everything so uh, I don't think it's too bad but you know we should be looking to signing at least one more center back I feel um I, I agree I think that this is a product of you know if we get Fafana I think the right center back is probably the most critical addition because we do really lack a, a right center back uh, backup option for important games. Now, I think Trev can obviously play in important games. Uh, but however, I just think that with the positional versatility of Cucurella as well as Kulabali, Kulabali can fit in the center. Um, you know, that was while Rudiger obviously is loved and was great. I mean, he was kind of limited to that left center back spot. So Kulabali does bring that to the table, his ability to slide into the center of a back three, if need, and then Cucurella can come and play left center back. Um, so I think we've recruited based off of positional versatility. Um, so that kind of leaves us as Reinhardt said, if we get Fafana and um, you know, we'll, we'll, we should be pretty good. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think we need to sign another centre-back. I'm increasingly confident we will sign for Farmer. I think they're just going to go all out and pay what is necessary for him. Um, and I believe that's actually worth it because he is 21 um, and he has world-class potential. I think he's already proven in the Premier League. He's recovered from his injury. Um, he's had no side effects from it. Uh, and he could be a cornerstone of our defence for 10 years, you know, um, potentially. So, uh, and I think that will happen. Um, and if it does, then you've got a back three of, uh, first choice back three of Fafana, Thiago Silva and Koulibaly. Uh, or you can play Fafana, Koulibaly and um, Kukurella. Um, and you have a number of options. And so 
Um, as long, uh, so as long as we do that, uh, I'm not worried at all uh, about our defence. Um, my concern has been and has been for a while is, we, is our midfield, that we need to rebuild our midfield and um, maybe get a couple of midfielders. Um, hopefully we'll get one this summer and get the other one next summer um, without any saying any names. Um, but um, yeah, um, it's a, you know, rebuilding a team takes time and it takes more than one summer. So, um, but the defense, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. Tuchel's good at organizing a defense. So uh, I'm, yeah, as long as we get, I think when we, if and when we get Fafana, our defense will be, I will be looking really good for this season. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Well, I noticed most of y'all are all like bringing up Fofana um, because I think everybody really wants Fofana despite the price. Um, and so um, one of our followers, Nick Khan, wants to know, so let's suppose we get Fofana. How do you see us lining up? And he also asked, will Chilwell be the odd, mount, um, odd man out on defense this year? And I guess that's because what he's thinking is based on Cucurella's impressive debut, would Cucurella – do you think he has the potential to be a starter over Ben and maybe be a, and do you think we would line up like, so he says, how do you see this lining up? I would think he is thinking maybe Cucurella would be the left wing back. So I think the rest of it would be Koulibaly, Silva, Fofana, Reese in a, everyone is in peak condition and good form world. Do y'all um, think Chilwell still, would be the starter over Cucurella, even if Cucurella was doing well. And like, not to say this is like, if both are doing well, who do you think would have the most likely chance of being like the left wing back starter, maybe based on their profiles or what you think they bring to the table. And I guess what would that be the rest of your back line as well? As much of as a cop out it is, I think it kind of depends on the opponent um, for in terms of the left wing back. I think both of them offer one thing and the other. Um, I think Cucurella probably is a more of a Tuchel style um, wingback, but we can definitely not discredit Chilwell's ability to do that as well. I mean, um, extremely good shot, good passer as well. But, you know, I, I think it's probably Cucurella and simply for the fact that I think it's because Tuchel said we we don't need to um, just sign a, a Sosa or a, kind of a lesser maybe backup center uh, left wing back, but he said, well, no, we're going to go and get Cucurella, who is, you know, probably the hottest left wing back on the market this summer. Um, now, can Chilwell overcome that and can he play himself over the Cucurella? I, I think that's definitely possible. Um, it was just a matter of how the injury and how he can get back into form. So I think just based off of optics and not knowing who the opponent is, I would probably say that Cucurella probably would be Tuchel's first choice. Um, but I don't want to discredit Ben because he, when he's played and he's been healthy, he he's been a, unbelievable he was probably the best left wing back in the league last year um, when he was healthy in that form before he got hurt so that's kind of my thoughts and then I think your center backs are in big games it's Koulibaly 
it's Silva and it'll be Fafana if that gets to that point. Um, you know, for the other games and even other some big games when there needs to be rotation, I mean, you'll definitely see Cucurella left center back. You'll see Koulibaly in the middle, um, Trav and Aspie as well. But, you know, for the big games, as far as I can see, it's going to be the center backs that you saw um, on the left side in the middle and then Fafana on the right-hand side. Yeah, I have to agree. I think something that's interesting with Cucurella is we saw in preseason, now whether that's a lack of backup rotation in that sense, I guess, is that we saw Kennedy play right wing back. So we know Tuchel isn't, I mean, once again, it's it's preseason, so I take it with a grain of salt. But we know Tuchel isn't necessarily afraid of playing a left-footed player on the right. So I think one thing that we can look out for is Cucurella maybe playing a right wing back. Uh, well, Chile plays left wing back, and then obviously Freeze plays right wing back, and Cucurella plays left wing back, which is, I'm sure we're going to see quite a bit. But another thing that Tuchel mentioned when asked about Cucurella, I think it was, was it his uh, pre-game press conference? Um, we didn't really have him yet at that time, but one thing that he mentioned was his versatility, which, um, which is definitely something that we need to take note of because at Hitafe, I know we were linked with him before he went to Brighton. So I watched the f- not not a full games of him, but like highlights and read up about him. Um, he did play in the midfield um, as a left mid for, for Hitafe and um, also left wing. So I think one thing that we can expect from him is for him and Chile to play together at times. Uh, a lot of people mentioned maybe a four at the back with Cucurella as the left mid that drops into a left center back in defense while Chile then moves up to the left wing back. But in attack, it's, it would be Chile st- staying back as a left back and Cucurella going up. So that, that could be a a shout that we could see maybe. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited to see what Cucurella can do. As I said previously, uh, I think he's one of the, one of the uh, most, uh, how can I say, he'll, he'll be an, an underrated target spoke uh, uh, underrated transfer that happened in the beginning of the season but by the end of the season the general football world will see him as a very good signing um, I mean obviously people talk about his price and maybe being a bit much uh, as we know uh, Liverpool only go, going out on loan to Brighton is a very big uh, plus for me I would happily play an extra 7 million euros to only not have to buy Colwell back in two years time because that was that, that would was going to happen regardless. You know, if we send him out uh, to Brighton as part of the deal, we would we would buy him back uh, on our buyback because it's just that type of play is that good. So I think uh, it's a very good deal for us. And as I said, I, I think we can expect Cucurella and Chile to play together. Now, as your question, if they're both playing at the same level, they're both having good games, one of them has to start. I think at the moment it would be Cucurella, partly because of Chile's uh, injury, and also, I think Cucurella is the type of player that Tuchel likes. Like we saw, we saw him um, play Cho at right wing back when he just came. He likes a wing back that can beat his man, go forward and cross it in, which is Cho's greatest, um, uh, um, what's the word, like his, his, his best ability to create chances. That's 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 something he does very well. And um, that's something that Cucurella also does very well. Uh, I read somewhere he was... Uh, Reese was our most creative player, and then Cucurella would have been slightly behind him if he played for us last season. And that's in a Brighton team that didn't have a striker, similar to ours. But their attack was even more woeful than ours is, or was, because we've got Sterling now. So I would say Cucurella maybe gets the edge over Chile in uh, in a lot of the games, but I would not be surprised to see them both play, as I said, in the, like a 4-4-2 in attack 
uh, five at the back in defense type of scenario. So, yeah, I think it's very interesting to see what Tuchel can do. We, we know he's flexible like that, so and he likes versatile players. That's why I think Kukurella was was such a um, big target for us and why we acted so quickly to get him. Score, before you chime in, I want to just kind of ask another kind of tagging question to this. Um, I do think a lot of people have always thought that um, if Silva doesn't play as much, we might see Quilabali in the middle, and then we'd see Kukurella at the left center back and then Chilwell at left wing back. Especially if both are cooking, then you might think, both need to be starting, but I also kind of just want to ask this um, as part of a question to discuss. When we have a lot of fixture congestion and when we have the Cubs, we have UCL, and we have the Premier League, do you think Tuchel, or would you, if you were a manager, be more apprehensive at starting both at the same time um, because maybe you need to cycle them out at the left-wing spot um, for like all the games that are going to be coming up? Score, if you want to say what you were going to say about the original question, but maybe tag on thoughts to that. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, those, those two questions seem tied together, actually. Um, and I was going to say, like, if both are fit and in form, you know, if Hill was in the form that he was before he was injured and Cucurella's in form, um, you can play both of them, for sure. Um, because Thiago still was not going to be able to play the number of games he played last season. That's just a reality, you know. Um, especially with the World Cup, with fixture congestion, you know, running up to the World Cup, we're going to have six weeks, I think, where we're going to have the, the entire Champions League group stage, six consecutive weeks, um, as well as Premier League fixtures either side of those. Um, and there's no way that you know, he's going to be able to play uh, all of those games, um, especially. I mean, there's no way anyone's going to be able to play all of those games. Uh, we're going to have to have squad rotation. That's why it's so important we have five subs this season and why you have a deep squad. Um, but, yeah, so there will be games where, especially if you're playing against, I think if you're playing against a low block, um, especially, you want to have Cucurella and Chilwell both playing because that helps break down those, uh, you know, a low block. Um, like, I was actually thinking to myself, you know, because Cucurella can play in midfield, like, if you're having a fluid formation, you could technically have, if you've got Cucurella at left centre-back, him come into midfield, Ben Chilwell drops back to become left-back and Reese Jones drops back to become right-back and suddenly you've got a back four with Cucurella kind of shifting up into midfield as a kind of fluid formation. Um, Cucurella was, was left centre, played left centre-back against us last season and was I think he was one of the best players on the pitch and got an assist for Welbeck's equaliser. Um, so he's really good at left centre-back. Um, and so I think it'll depend on the opposition. It'll depend on who's fit. It'll depend on how many games you've got. Um, yeah, it'll depend on a lot of things. And I think in terms of your question about, um, you know, yeah, if, if we've got a lot of games and will they play together in every game, they definitely won't play together in every game. Um, we've got more than we've got more centre-backs than just... Um, than just the you know, than just kind of Thiago Silva and Cucurella and the other two that we probably have. So we'll have we've well, got Trevor Chaloba, we've got um, I don't know who else we're gonna who else have we got uh, Aspelacueta. So you know those guys can come in and play some games when we need to rest players maybe against lesser opposition. Um, yeah, uh, and. So that's kind of how I see it. Like, it depends on, it, I mean, it, it's difficult to predict it exactly, right? Um, 
because you don't want to wear players out, but also you want to play the strongest team you've got. So um, I think the use of five studs is going to come in really useful because if you're winning, if you're winning a game early on, like two, if you're two or three up with like you know, half an hour to go, you can probably take off a few players, and so they don't, they're not quite as tired as they would have been. Um, you know, especially when you've got a deep squad, um, and that will help with that will help with in midfield as well because if you're two or three up, you can take Kante off, you can bring on Gallagher, he plays for half an hour. Um, and you can take Kovacic off um, or whatever, because those two guys get injured a lot. So the less minutes they have, the more games you can play them in um, and you can bring them off. That, 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 that's how that thing will work. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But Thiago will not play as many games this season as last season. Um, and players are going to be tired after the World Cup, physically and mentally. So it's important to have players who maybe aren't at the World Cup or don't play much at the World Cup in your squad um, and to have a deep squad and to make sure that you use those five subs well before the World Cup so that players aren't too tired before the World Cup and obviously when they come back. So it's going to be a very unique season in terms of um, because of the World Cup, when the World Cup is. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's a bit jumbled, but... uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how he... I'd love to see an informed Ben Chilwell and then an informed Cucurella playing down that left side. Um, I think that would be a really dangerous left side. Um, we won't see that every game, but I think we will see it. And uh, especially in the second half of the season when Ben Chilwell is more fit and more back to his normal self. So, um, yeah. Okay. That's a lot of good thoughts. Now, I kind of want to transition... Um, into a little more of a uh, hypothetical and kind of uh, thinking forward stage of the episode, um, mainly because we've um, we've talked a lot of shouts about formation, about how to improve the attack, and I've heard a good few mentions of De Jong and improving the midfield or adding midfielders. And I kind of want to. I do think De- talking about De Jong is topical because uh, one, they had a game against uh, Pumas today, and I assume a lot of y'all saw the highlights of De Jong, like turning his man and just going all the way downfield. And I don't think he got an assist. I believe, um, I believe um, whoever was on the right flank, maybe it was Dembele, missed the shot. But he also did score in that game. But he's also just looked fairly good recently. It's no, um, it's no mystery that Barca want him off the books, even though publicly they keep saying, like, oh, he's our player, we want to keep him. No, we know that there is a big threat looming that if they don't get the funds from De Jong, then they might – have uh, risk registering some players. Um, and there is about a week deadline, I believe, until the start of La Liga to get De Jong. So if we were going to get De Jong, I think it would happen in this week. Now, I want to talk about how De Jong would fit because I think there are people at the club who want De Jong. I think he, there are rumors that it's going to happen. But what concerns me a little bit is I still think that this team needed a DM and De Jong is not a DM, but if for some reason we did this three at the back formation with the five midfield um, that moves more centrally. So a three, five, two, I think De Jong could operate in the Georgina role. If he had three behind him, um, I, I know he, he has fairly a less defensive sense of him than Jorginho does, 
But I also feel like if you bring De Jong in, he's not somebody who's going to be on the bench. He is going to be in that starting 11 somehow. And I feel like by getting De Jong, you're either committing to a pivot for the next couple of years, or you have to run this three at the back with probably five in midfield um, to have him in there, at least have him in a pivot or um, just not as a lone DM, because I don't think he is a lone DM. Like as far as like a fourth, the back goes. Um, and my concern is, or I guess, I don't know if it's a concern. It's just a question. And I want to know what y'all think about this. I'm a little confused on the project or the plan of the club, because when you look at the midfielders we've acquired, the midfielders we have right now, we have so many eights and some eight slash tens and barely any sixes we have Jorginho who's a six we have Ampadu who can be a center back or a or a six kind of but um or slash dm but he looks like he's on his way out because he's barely been talked about or featured much Billy Gilmore was kind of a six slash eight hybrid but he does not seem to be in the picture which really just leaves Jorginho and now I'm going to read off just some names so you have Mount Gallagher Kovacic Kante Ruben, who technically is kind of an eight in his best, but he's operating his right wing back a little bit more. And you also have Carney Chukweki, uh, sorry, Chuk- Chukwameka, um, that we brought. <laughs> right, I see you laughing. You shut up. Um, that we just uh, brought in, who would I believe was about 25 million or so, 20 to 25 million. And 15, I think. Was it 15? Oh, okay. I, who did we bring in for? 20 25 million I think 15 plus five add-ons oh, okay then maybe it was that but um and everything that i've heard is he's an eight slash ten type of player and to commit that kind of money to somebody who i think is a he's only 18 but they said he's gonna have a, a very decent role in the first team this summer they have not talked about doing a loan so i guess what i'm confused about is if we get to young it feels like we're committing to a pivot, but a pivot seems to neutralize kind of the effectiveness of having so many good eights and using them. And to me, it feels like we have more eights that are more talented eights than we do talented wingers. And maybe the shift of having uh, Werner go out, having Callum potentially go out, having Ziyech go out, maybe they're just going to leave Pulisic and Sterling as wingers but mainly uses kind of like central forwards in a front two. And then maybe they could entertain using much more of the eights. Cause to me, it seems like we are stacking so many talented midfielders and y'all do. And like score, you mentioned that we need to add midfielders, but I don't necessarily agree to that. I say we need a DM, I believe one or two DMS, but um, if you bring De Jong, unless you're going to have some kind of mid three that involves De Jong is like the Jorginho role. I struggle to see the point in like having so many talented eight midfielders that um, are in this. Cause like I said, um, we mentioned earlier before Mount seemed to play further on the wing um, in this game. And I don't think he looked that great. And I seriously believe you unlocked the best of Mount when you put him in that eight slash 10 role. I think that's his best position. I think Kovacic does great kind of in a pivot or an eight, but I think Gallagher is only going to be able to do really well if he has that license to roam 
in an eight slash 10 role. I think Ruben will never really reach his peak again, unless he gets that kind of freedom. And then Conte, Conte is kind of a pivot slash eight, but if we got De Jong, it feels like I can't, I can't see a future where a pivot isn't very heavily pushed with De Jong. I don't, I, I like to say that the three, five, two could be happen, but that is just a thought. That's just, something out there that I'm trying to project to be able to see Mount being a more effective role while still using De Jong's. But at the same time, like I said, I believe that Rice, we need Declan Rice to come into this team, but obviously that doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. And I was thinking about that for next summer, but we also said that last summer. And it just feels like a DM is more appropriate to bring in than De Jong because it feels like the future of this midfield lies in its eights. And, and I don't, as good as De Jong is, unless he's going to be a DM or somehow, I just don't know what the point is. And I definitely feel like y'all might feel different. So I really want to hear y'all's thoughts on the future of our midfield and what do you think it actually really needs right now? So I think kind of, score kind of reiterated a little bit of where my kind of argument is going and it is in terms of the age profile of our midfielders currently and I know you listed quite a few um, younger ones um, but for the most part those younger ones have yet to be proven so when you have an opportunity to grab uh, a young um, you know world-class I'll go as far as to say midfielder as De Jong is and can be for the next several years um that's something that you have to go at so I look at you know look at the names that Chelsea have been linked with over the last couple of years in midfield and, and look look at a couple of them and, and Declan Rice and Aurelian Shuameni so I look at those two pair that pairing and I say, well, let's think about what they are. Well, yes, we know Rice is is more of a defensive midfielder. Um, Rice uh, and Chuameni is kind of the new age hybrid midfielder um, that we've seen come up, um, you know, with like such as Kamavinga. This is a type of player that can play eight for you, but still has defensive capabilities that you're not going to lose much um, with him. So I think overall, when you look at where De Jong would fit, I think Chelsea are in the business of, yeah, we may have good young players that can fit a role, but if there's somebody out there that's better, we can't rest in our laurels and let another club and go and grab them. I mean, this is why I say, okay, well, yes, we got Chuku Mweka who kind of fits that sort of Pogba, um, Jude Bellingham type role, but you know, if you can go and get Jude Bellingham next summer, you go and get him because he's going to go to a rival. Then he's going to go to Liverpool and he's going to be a part of maybe the one that could be the best midfield for the next five, six years. It is an arms race now in football. It's not necessarily, Oh, my club just wasted $60 million on Cucurella when we already have Ben Chilwell. It's not like that. It's we need to go out and acquire the best talent. And even if that says, okay, younger guys, you, you have to step it up or we're not going to fill that void. That shows me our interest in De Jong is that we don't have any faith and we haven't been shown that these younger guys can fill a role that De Jong can fill. 
And if you don't believe that, you have to go get the player. It's imperative. If this, you know, if DeYoung goes to Manchester United, which I, I don't think he wants to, so I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but he makes them an exceptionally better team. Because if you trade out Scott McTominay for DeYoung and you watch the Manchester United game today, that's a very different game. So you have to go out and grab those players when they're available. It's just like Kai Havertz. You see Kai Havertz, and obviously he fit a role, but you have to go out and get him because he's going to go to somewhere else and he's going to be a great player. It's an arms race now in the top of football. Money is not really an option for teams in the Premier League, especially because finances are so flush. I mean, Chelsea just got bought, and now we have a $300 million um, pound spending budget. You know, money isn't the issue when it's for top players. So can you sell the player on your project and on a role for him? And if you have players signed already, well, they're already your players. You tell them that they better step it up or they're not going to be able to work with the club. They're not going to be able to fit in. There's not going to be a spot for them. And as much as I love bringing academy players in, if they're not going to meet the standard of a, a replacement level player, you have to go out and get that replacement level player, or you're just going to sit there hoping, waiting and wishing that these people are going to be what the finished product is. And I want players from the Academy to succeed. And I think that we've made, we've made mistakes with Tamori and Gohi and such in the past. And I think that the club understands that because those are players that could come in and do a role for you. But if they're not, if there's not players in that role, which there isn't at Chelsea for the position type that Deong plays, you have to get him because he's going to go to Manchester United or he's going to go to Real Madrid or whoever it may be. And he's going to succeed there. It's an arms race. And I guess that's kind of the whole point of the argument is that you have to be ahead of the game in terms of revitalizing the midfield. Look at what Real Madrid is doing. And I know, just to be honest, Real Madrid is at a different level than Chelsea is in terms of stature. And you might not like to hear it, but it's true. They have their next midfield already set up before Modric, Casemiro, and Cruz are going. That's what Chelsea need to do because it's going to be such a hard fall off if Conte, Jorginho, and Kovacic get hurt, fall off. I mean, it's coming. They're they're not old, but you know, by regular standards, but for football age, they're getting there. So if you're not proactive in building that team with quality players, you're you're going to be behind the eight ball. It's just as simple as that. So I definitely hear what you're saying, and I partially agree and disagree with um, two bits. So the one, I agree that football clubs see this as an arms race now, and that if there's someone hot in the market who's a great player, you can't just let them get go to a rival. But I would argue that that seems so what Chelsea's done for the past couple of years and why we've gotten in the in the trouble of having players like Werner, Pulisic, um, Lukaku came in. Um, now, I think Lukaku also was, he could have fit the profile, but it was more on him that it didn't work out. And then you also, and personally, I would say this, and I don't think this is an overreaction. If we'd never won the Champions League, if Kai never scored that goal, I think everyone's like view on Kai right now would be a lot worse. I really think that they would think a lot less of him. And I think that this is, this seems like recent business has been for years, like buying players to have players without a real plan in place. And I do agree. De Jong is a, I think is a world-class talent. I think he is someone 
who could be one of the best field, midfielders in the world and could be like the star of a team. Like if he went to Man City, I'm sure he would do one bits there. If he went to Liverpool, I'm sure he would do bits there. But to me, I feel like we are closer to a ne- uh, like a next generation midfield. And this is not saying generational. This is saying like next generation, like you said, with Real Madrid. Because I do agree. They've built their midfield. They have it ready before their current one is even gone. And I do think that you're right. You have to prepare for that because people like Jorginho and Conte are going to be gone. Um, Kovacic, I do think he's got a good couple more years in him. But I would say we are closer to building that next generation midfield in a, a formation that does not include De Jong. Because when I think of De Jong, I think his best... And you can disagree. And let me know if you disagree. I think his best usage is in a pivot. I don't think being a lone DM or like uh, maybe he could be a regista, kind of like a Georgina was in Napoli. I think his best. That's, well, that's what he is. That yeah. That is his ideal positioning. As much as he is, uh, he, he shows the dribbling capabilities of Kovacic and stuff as we saw today. He is a great passer and a great distributor. And I think that is where I'm kind of saying players and younger players nowadays, they're not necessarily just great at one thing and they can be flexible like Shuameni and Kamavinga and Bellingham. These are players that are able to fit in a lot of different roles and you're not getting dropped off enough. You know, if you put Kovacic back, we've seen it last year. You put Kovacic back in a role where Jorginho is and, and it's not good. He, he can't do it. But if you look at how players are kind of built nowadays, the midfielders and some of the talent that you should be going after, like work true world-class talent, they can fit in different roles. And when you were saying that, um, and I'll let, and I'm sorry, and I'll let you finish, but when you were saying, you know, Werner and Pulisic, you know, those aren't world-class signings. That's not a break the bank signing. Yeah, it's 50 million or whatever it was, but today's standards, that's not a world-class signing. So yeah, those were those were wrong and and, and we went after those players because they fit needs um at the time. But your De Jong is at a different level of, of stature than those two. I mean, I would maybe say Kai was kind of more of a, a a wonder kid prospect sort of signing definitely did a lot of good things at Leverkusen. Um, but you know, he was not the finished product. I don't think while you look at De Jong and I say, okay, he's probably closer to the finished product than Kai was, but he's also just a substantially um, more well-rounded and different level of player than Werner and Pulisic were in terms of like hierarchy on the chart. Um, so I guess that's kind of what my, my statement is kind of revolving around is those world-class players and not necessarily the, you know, Pulisic's and Werner's where, yeah, they're good, but they're not 80 million pounds, sort of, so to speak. And I definitely agree with you that he's on a different level than those signings, because I would say when Werner was in his peak performance, I would say people were considering him world-class when he was in peak um, performance, but then obviously, but it was more like he was just like, maybe kind of like Nkuku was this past season. He had a breakout year and he was doing great, but he wasn't exactly a world-class player. So he just had maybe a world-class season in terms of performance. And I definitely think Deong is different because he's a world-class player. And he, if he was in a better situation than Barcelona right now, then he probably would be like, 
not even having this an, a career flex question. Like if he was like a Bayern Munich or something like that, then they and probably would be enjoying it. But what I worry is like if we bring him in to be like a regista role, I worry that we may be have the same problem that him coming into the Premier League. What if he's not built for it? What if he isn't like how Jorginho was okay to be the only DM? Now we could also transition this whole conversation into saying, okay, but what if he's an eight then? What if he's like an eight? Um, what if he's like at an eight, but he doesn't push forward all that much and Mount pushes forward more? I guess because then in that case, I still wonder, do you bring a DM in? Do you bring a uh and like, do you bring somebody else in to be the, the bottom of that midfield three? Because I, because like I said, I think his best role is if he's in a pivot. And what I worry is that if you commit to the pivot for that long, that you are kind of probably tossing away all the talented eights and prospective uh, more attacking midfielders that we currently have. Um, but let, let's hear from some of um, our other guests. We've kind of dominated a bit. Score, why don't you give us some thoughts right now on like a way in on the conversation? Yeah, I'm very interested in this conversation. Um, I talk about midfield a lot. Um, <clears throat> I do have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, so Frankie de Jong is a world, you know, I think he's a world-class footballer. Um, he's creative. He gets balls in behind defenses. Um, he's got great vision, you know, he's, it's something that actually we don't have in our team, to be perfectly honest, um, and, haven't, and haven't had since Fabregas, right? So in isolation, he's a class player, right? But, um, but you're right, we have a lot of eights and talented eights as well. And uh, we need to make the most of those talents, right? And I've, I mean, I've been saying we need we need to sign a DM for about eighteen months. Um, I've been advocating, you know, about eighteen months ago, I was advocating we sign Schumann and and Rice in the same summer, um, and that would fix our midfield because we've got two midfielders who are thirty and over, and probably in in truth, whose best years are behind it, behind them, right? Um, and who've been great for Chelsea, Jorginho and Kante, both of them, you know. Will be will go down in Chelsea history for you know for what they've done for Chelsea you know Jorginho uh, especially for the Champions League last year 2021 he was fantastic um, Kante just is a Chelsea legend has pretty much won pretty much everything I think apart from the League Cup at Chelsea um, yeah but we at some point you have to make decisions and yeah I mean I've I've been advocating for we signed Declan Rice forever. Um, I think he is he is the per, he's the midfielder we we need to sign. He wasn't available this summer, unfortunately. Um, and if you're targeting him and he's your number one target, then you wait till he's available and he's running his contract down. He'll probably be available next summer. Um, we should make him our number one target then. Um, I think in terms of De Jong, if he comes in, I think I think he can play. I think you can play him as a. I don't think you have to play a pivot with him. Um, if Declan Rice is in the team, I mean, like I think um, what Dylan said is right that you know that a lot of midfielders now are kind of multiple roles. Um, even Declan Rice is not just a DM now; he can play 
the box to box role, right? He can, um, yeah, he can drive the ball forward. Um, he's he's good at controlling the ball. He's good, actually good in possession. He's good at ball progression, um, as well as being good defensively. So, I think, like, if you've got say, Declan Rice, Frankie De Jong, um, Kovacic, Mason Mount, Conor Gallagher, and Chakramanka, say, as your midfielders, you can play different formations depending on, again, opposition, depending on um, personnel, depending on who's available. Um, you're not wedded to one system. I mean, you could play, you could, you could play, um, you could play four at the back and have a pivot and then have Mason Mount as like an, an eight slash 10 um, behind two, behind like a front three. Chakramaker actually is, is an interesting one because he can play he can play, he could probably play as an inside forward. He can even play as a six. He can play as an eight. He's he's very much like Jude Bellingham. He's a that's the kind of the profile of player that he is. Um, that's is why I don't think we're gonna go for Jude Bellingham now, um, because we've bought him. Um so he's gonna be a key player for us. It's, and finding a role for him is gonna be really important. Um, and it's gonna be really interesting. But I wanna have that level of depth because that's how you win. Premier League titles. That's how you win Champions League when you've got lots of good players and not all of them play every game, right? So um, I'm not against Frankie De Jong signing as long as we sign a defensive midfielder next summer because it is absolutely urgent that we sign a defensive midfield player um, and it has to be a good one. Uh, and if it's not Declan Rice, it has to be a good one. It doesn't have to be Declan Rice and no one else, but He's the, I think he's the best person for the job and he's got Chelsea DNA and he wants to join Chelsea, um, I'm pretty sure, if you've got the opportunity. So, yeah, um, I'm not, I'm, you know, I was, not, I was against the De Jong thing at first, but the more I kind of looked at him, I, the more I thought, like, this is kind of a Cesc Fabregas type player, right? Um, and if you've got a proper defensive midfielder in the team, that gives him more freedom to get forward, right? It's not... He's not limited to staying back as staying back in in the pivot. He can, and I've seen clips of him doing it, like like Kovacic. You know, he can dribble, he can get, he can, yeah, he can get forward um, and create. And so having someone like Rice on the team allows him to do that. So he kind of becomes a six slash eight. Um, and then you've got Mason Mount as well, who would probably start every game or most games. But then you've got like others who can come into the team. When you want to rotate, when you've got fixture congestion, when you've got injuries, like when you've got different kinds of opposition, when you want to play a different formation, and that makes you difficult to play against, and it makes you difficult to beat, and it means that you're competitive for trophies. So um, we do need a succession plan for our midfield, and it, I think I think that this is part of that. I mean, Thomas Tuchel wanted Frankie De Jong at PSG. He's a big fan of Frankie De Jong. Um, and so I can understand why he wants him now. And I think he wants Declan Rice as well. But I think they've recognised we can't sign him this summer. Um, and so they've kind of decided that let's get, a, let's get a midfielder who is better than what we have. Um, in a, well, better than Jorginho, I would say. I'd say even potentially better than Kovacic as well. Although don't, don't broadcast that because I'll get absolutely hammered for it. But... Um, yeah, I think you know, if we sign him, he's, he's in our starting 11. Um, and if we're playing a pivot 
I'll carry, if you're playing our current formation, he's playing. He's starting alongside Kante for me um, because you've got the physicality and the defensive stuff with Kante, and you can ask him to stay back, um, and then give that gives Frankie De Jong a bit more freedom, especially when you've got you know a, a back three with with the quality that we we could likely have this season. So. Um, I th- and I think he improves our creativity. Like, he'll help us against low blocks. Um, so I don't think it's a bad signing. I get the concerns, definitely. But I do think we have to be looking at upgrading Jorginho and Kante in the next 12 months. And I can see why, I can see what the thinking is behind it. Uh, and that he is going to replace Jorginho long-term and that maybe Declan Rice will replace Kante. You know, when those two leave, these two will come in. And um, and that will change the whole dimension of the team because it will mean we can play four at the back or three at the back um, and it will give us more creative freedom and more attacking freedom. And it will allow us to play with eights more often. Um, and overall, that will be a that will be a better team for the future. You know, I don't... Because I don't think that... Kante and Jorginho are going to be the players that help win us a league title in the next, you know, the next because we're not going to be challenging for the league this season. Um, next season is the is the earliest we will, and I don't think those two will be at the club by then. And so, um, and again, like we said, their best peak prime years are probably behind them. They can still perform for us. There's no question about that. Um, but you know, if we're looking for the build a team for the next five years, they're not going to be in it. Um, and so we need to be looking to the future. I will say um, something I, I don't think I've mentioned, but we could technically do a four-two-three-one. So have like a De Jong, um, a De Jong, uh, Rice pivot, and then Mount above them, or so yep. Mount Gallagher or Chukwemeka. That 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 is also a thought that is possible. But uh, Reinhardt, I want to give you the floor. Just uh, add your thoughts in. Yeah, so I I feel very strongly about us needing a DM. I think Tuchel might be a bit naive in thinking that we could uh, get through the season without one, but I think he looked at the previous two seasons, saw that we didn't have a DM, and, and think maybe we can we can try and get through it um, and go for Declan Rice because he obviously likes Declan Rice, and there aren't really many options that we can go for. I think pa- uh, Paulinho that went to Fulham would have been an option. The question is, is it good on the ball? Uh, so there's obviously, when it comes to a top club like Chelsea, looking for players, it's not necessarily, oh, we need a DM, you're a DM, come here. It's more like, you're a DM. Okay, now, now let's look a bit deeper. Can you play with the ball? Can you? How's your passing ability? How's your dribbling ability, et cetera, et cetera. So when it comes to De Jong, I do think he can very much fill that Regista role that Jorginho is currently occupying. Um, but the thing is, he adds more, in my opinion, at least. Um, I think his passing range is just as good, uh, if not a bit better, because he has some of the passing, the, the flair passing traits, not to sound like I'm playing FIFA, but um, he has some of the flair passing traits where you can see him maybe like uh, ping a ball to, to a winger or something like that. And one thing that is very that we should remember when it comes to maybe seeing De Jong in that Jorginho role is he would be in that Jorginho role, but the one thing that maybe uh, Jorginho lacks is his mobility. And that's one thing that De Jong has in abundance. He's Kovacic levels of dribbling and uh, he can beat his man 
Jorginho, I don't think I've really seen him be the man apart from when he does that weird spin thing that he somehow always does. Um, and he can uh, pass the ball very well, receive one, two, you know, play play quickly. Um, as I've mentioned on our chat that we have, uh, a portion of my family is from the Netherlands and they watch um, Ajax. And during that run where De Jong was uh, in the midfield three with Van der Beek and the Danish guy, Sean, uh, Sean, something like that, uh, they didn't really have a DM. And he would occupy that role that I would say probably Gundogan occupies at City. Maybe Goretzka occupies that Bayern where obviously Kimmich is the DM. So that would be Rice in our scenario, maybe if we were to get him. So in that sense, I think De Jong is a pivot player, but he's not solely a pivot player. He's a he's an eight, um, very much. And if we get De Jong, and we can pair him with a with a DM next next season, I think it'll be a very good option for us. Because if you look at it in the sense of uh, long term, you'd have a DM, which would be whoever, and then you'd have your two eights, like on either side. The right side, it would be. Chikomeka, Mace, Connor. Those are the three players that can occupy that role. On the left side, it would be Kovacic, De Jong, probably Chikomeka as well, because I don't think he's uh, as bad. No, not bad. It's probably not the word. He's um he's better defensively than I would say maybe Connor is or, or Mace. Mace is very good when it comes to his pressing ability, but maybe not tackling as much as uh Chikomeka could be. So um in that sense, I do think that it is important for us to maybe try and capitalize on the fact that De Jong is not that he he never said he wants to leave Barcelona, but there is a restlessness around him, and I think it's 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 uh, it would be smart to capitalize on him. He could add a lot to our team. I do think if we get him get him, it would very much be him alongside maybe Kante or Kovacic. I don't really see him and Jorginho playing together. That that could change because he could play that role that Kovacic plays with with uh, Jorginho, maybe even better than Kovacic because of his passing range. I think Kovacic is very good when it comes to the dribble, beating the press. Um, but when it comes to maybe his passing range, he's not as complete as you'd like him to be. And uh, De Jong is very much uh, a, a good passer. So I don't really think... You can go wrong by getting De Jong and um, Tuchel, as Score alluded to, really like really likes De Jong. He was reportedly visibly upset when PSG couldn't acquire him, and he has a he has a um, a vision for him. And I think if we were to get him, uh, big things can happen, especially long term when we get a DM. I mean, as I said earlier, if you think of the Bayern Munich midfield three, um, or they they, they kind of play a four two three one, I guess. Um, Goretzka would be now the De Jong, you know, more of the attacking, but can also defend. And then you get got Kimmich, which would be our uh, DM in that scenario. And I think that De Jong would occupy that space as like the half space between defense and um, or between your defensive midfielder and your attack very well. And um, last thing that I'd like to say on De Jong is if you were to play that Regista role, I think he's as good, if not slightly better because of his mobility defensively compared to Jorginho. Uh, Jorginho is very good when it comes to interceptions and uh, standing tackles, uh, you know, getting the ball off of your play quickly and trying to to pass it onwards. And I think De Jong could do that as well. But I do think De Jong is maybe a bit better when it comes to slight tackling. So 
Yeah, I, w- I would be very keen to get him. I do hear concerns, maybe, and other people's concerns. But when it comes to the, the long-term vision, I, th- I don't think you can go wrong with getting De Jong because he he is very much um, a player for the future star. I think Barca haven't maybe gotten what they want out of him. Uh, they wanted maybe that Busquets role, but he's, he's, he's not as um, defensively sound as Busquets yet, at least. Um, but I do think that he is very much maybe a Fabregas, a Scorsed uh, type of player rather than a DM. But he can perform when it comes to defensive, you know, um, responsibilities. So a lot of good points. A lot of good points. And I'm definitely a little more okay with Dion coming. I mean, I wasn't necessarily against it. I'm just concerned if if there is a vision for what's going to happen with him because if we still get a dm like if we got Diong this summer and then we got rice next summer and then that was like our pivot for the next couple of years but we did a four two three one so mount kind of still occupies a little more central role um or even if it's a four three three and then you have just rice then you have mount and Diong. i think that's still really good and i don't think gal i don't know if gallagher has the ceiling to kind of match what Diong brings but they're also kind of different players so i guess when you keep gallagher well they kind of already made the decision to keep gallagher um before this Dion thing was even an option because what i wonder is if um if D, if we could have gotten Dion much earlier in the summer like i think most of this kind of breakdown um and with barcelona nonsense kind of happened near the end of the summer so it's kind of a shorter time window I feel like if we could have done this from the very beginning window, maybe they would have done it. And I don't know. I would have definitely, they would have given Gallagher the preseason, obviously, but after preseason, I don't know if they would have been totally convinced on him because I think it was fairly shaky. So I kind of wonder if like, if what Gallagher's future really holds for him right now. And I think also part of why I'm wondering it, what the plan for Dion would be is because I feel like committing 15 to 20 mil for uh, Chukwameka, who even though is a great talent, like, do we really ha- are we really planning on using a formation that would utilize him? So I just have a lot of questions because for the past couple of years, I have not fully trusted Chelsea or been able to see a clear path or project of what we wanted, like one simple idea and we were building all around that. It feels like it's been kind of a very chopping and changing of we get these players, we get those players. We're going to keep trying all these different formations. It And maybe it's just, maybe it deals a lot with injuries or whoever's available at the time. Maybe it's, I feel like Tuchel's been here long enough to where we can kind of have an idea, but also we do remember there's a lot of turnover when it comes to when the manager comes in having players that they necessarily didn't get. And Tuchel hasn't had gotten that many players um, before this summer. So maybe this is the start of that idea unfolding, and we're still just dealing with getting rid of other players. So maybe, you know, maybe it's not fair to lump Werner, Pulisic, uh, Ziyech, all of them into that kind of category because Tuchel never asked for that. Tuchel never really pointed those out. So so maybe maybe this maybe you have to give it another season or two before you start asking more questions because if in a season or two there's nothing happening and we're still just buying players and they don't work out, then maybe we point the finger at Tuchel a lot more. 
And we also don't have a director of football right now, so I don't think we can point the finger at anybody else except Tuchel. So uh, I'm gonna give you all the floor to ask any other questions or make any other last comments. And if there's really nothing to talk about, I think we'll wrap it up. No, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, and it was great. Hope to be on again soon. Yeah, I agree. I think um, we've covered basically everything. It was a very great um, great chatting to you guys. It was an awesome post pod, and um, I'd hope to be on very soon again for another one. Talk some footy. And uh, maybe by then we have a few more uh, transfers in, maybe a few transfer rumors that we can talk about. Yeah, it's been great. Um, been great to talk about football, talk about Chelsea. Um, good conversation as always. Um, I will just—I was actually going to just going to say, Trey, that um, the director of football will be the will be very interesting um, when that happens. I think we'll hear more about that before January. And then that will be interesting because then they'll have a vision of what they want to do at the football club and there will um, be a philosophy and everything and we'll start to see that become more clear then. So that'll be more interesting. Like next summer will be very interesting when it comes to recruitment and sales. But, um, um, uh, but other than that, this has been great. Um, I love talking about Chelsea and it's great to talk with you guys. Uh, it was great having each of you on. I definitely hope to have y'all on more in the future. And the plan right now really is, unless something really boring happens, like I just get sick or like um, I'm out of the state or something, which I really don't plan to be for the most part. Um, I'm really going to try to make the post spots much more consistent. And then um, next week we have a game against Spurs. I believe it's around 1030 my time. So probably finish by about, noon or so um so who knows i might do a post spot that same day um so if uh, people want to come on uh, i'll probably have that open and obviously also you can always find me on twitter at trail to ask questions normally i will uh post a question um or post a tweet for questions before um we do a post spot but thank you listener for tuning in for this one thank you for sticking around i hope we answered y'all's questions um if we have any more questions send them in then we can um answer them on future pods and definitely looking forward to interacting with y'all more so make sure to give everybody a follow uh y'all want to just run down your uh i normally put the twitter handles and the um bios but um where can everyone find y'all at um if you want to just Find me on Twitter at CFCDP, also uh, on YouTube under the same name. So just a quick search and you should find me. Yeah, as always, as I've been on here for a few times, it's at RH underscore CFC. And yeah, I'm always keen to talk some footy with whoever's level-headed enough to to interact. And definitely uh, just, uh, also it's um, at um, RH underscore CFC. There is another, Reinhardt, I think you have a second account. That's an older one that has the underscore afterwards, and that's not it, right? Yeah, that's uh, we don't talk about that. There, there, there is an um, underscore at the end for for my currently active account. Let me just state it like that. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm the, at the score zero one. Um, I'm on private at the moment, but if you request to follow, I will, uh, I will accept it. Um, I'm not currently active on Twitter. I'm taking a bit of a break, but. I'm sure I will be back at some point. So, uh, yeah. All right. And thank you, everyone, again for listening. And until next time, stay true and stay blue.